Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'd like to kind of bring on my guest this week, Rochelle Lausanne. How are we doing, Rochelle? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on and doing this. Um, you have uh, made an impact with your time in, in comedy. It's been, I think, what, less than a decade and, you, and, you're, and you're making waves already into this industry? Yeah. I mean, I'll be nine years in February. So, yeah, it's a long time. And uh, it doesn't feel like a long time, though, which is weird. It feels like I started like yesterday. But, um, yeah, it's been uh, quite the journey. <laughs> Yeah, it usually is. They always say it's not the journey, it's the destination, but there never is a destination because everyone's journey is always continuing to journey on. Yes. <laughs> as yes. The, as There's... Journey One said, don't stop believing. So there, even if you get somewhere, you're always you, you're not stopping there. You're going to go somewhere else after that. So another journey commences after, if you will. Where did it all happen for you? I mean, London girl, essentially? London, Ontario? Yeah. London, Ontario. Did it start in London or did you make the big move to Toronto first? Uh, definitely. I start. I didn't start comedy until yeah. I moved to Toronto. Um, but I mean, I guess I it did technically start in London because I was a musical theater kid in London, and I was like, you know, big into um performing Arts. always. I, I never thought it was going to be stand up. I have to admit that I never thought that I would never have imagined that. But uh, I ended up going to university for theater, and you know, thought it was going to be some big time actor. You know, go to Stratford and being all fancy, <laughs> and then. That obviously did not pan out. I uh, I started doing improv before I did stand up, and okay. I had a friend that was like doing stand up, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Maybe I should give it a try. So I went out with her to an open mic, and I literally stopped doing everything else in my life, and then just from that moment on was just like total tunnel vision, like ignoring everything around me that's not comedy. Like that's what my life has been. Wow. That's that's crazy to me because when you say that you had no intentions to do comedy, but then what I mean to every, a lot of people, it's the moment that they get on stage and it's that high that, mm -hmm. that it's the laughter that you hear that. Oh, my God, people are actually connecting with what I'm saying and everyone's in on this and we're all it's just like there's a high that you can't kind of explain to other people that you get when you get off stage from being a comedian but when you have no interest at all in doing comedy and then you kind of on a whim kind of fall into it i mean what what was that door like when you opened it to this experience like oh my god all this because you obviously a theater person yourself you you have a creative process you have a sort of a creative acumen in your brain that kind of you know thrives for bigger better how do we do it differently how what's you know but for comedy i mean the world is your oyster you can kind of take any road avenue life experience anything you've kind of been on and and give it your own voice so how how was that like a how terrifying was that for you to get on stage the first time and b how was that kind of process to writing like i'm gonna start writing my own material what's the first sort of bit i can look at in my own life that i can think is like that's funny. This is fun. I can think from here. I can think from there. How did that all start for you? Um, when I was in university, we did, uh, I had a comedy history class and we kind of went through a bunch of the comedy like genres over the years. Comedy we history. did like mask and stuff like that. And we did have a stand up comedy unit. So I guess technically that was kind of my intro a little bit. That kind of planted the seed a bit. But the, uh, the assignment was we had to copy someone's act like i had to like i picked chelsea handler and i had to just like redo her jokes and try and copy her inflection and we had to present it and i remember doing that 
which is weird, but I remember doing that and getting laughs and just being like, okay, like what, what (laughs) is going on here? That feels good. Ooh, that's tickling a spot, you know? (laughs) And then, and then the next week it was like, you had to come back with your own material and then do like a five minute set or whatever. And I could not tell you a single one of the jokes I told, but I got laughs and I just remember being like, wow, kind of like an unexpected thing. And then it's like, I forgot about it in the back of my head, right? Because it's like, I could never actually do that. You know, like I just, you don't think that that's like an option, right? And and then it wasn't until I met somebody that did stand up and I was like, oh, whoa, this is like actually something that people do. This like, okay. And then, you know, having that background in theater, it just... I really didn't have the stage fright. Like I felt like I kind of bypassed that like step that a lot of people struggle with off the top is like just the nerves, right? Most people are, you know, the biggest fear is public speaking. And for me, it just, I didn't really have that barrier. So that made it a lot easier and just, you know, um, but I liked the, the freedom of stand up. I think you were kind of talking about that, that it's like, you can just do whatever you want up there like that. Cause when I was doing improv, it was like, you know, you're on a team and if you bomb, it's because everyone bombed. And when you do well, it's because everyone <laughs> did well. Right. And it's like, yeah. they're so freaking earnest that group, right. The <laughs> improv group. <laughs> and it's like, I used to hate it. I'd be like, no, this guy sucks. This guy ruined the show for us. But it was like, no, we're <laughs> we like, no one's at fault. And then I got up, uh, you know, doing it myself. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I am in control of the laughter. Like I get to decide what is funny, what, you know, and I just, I loved that, uh, that freedom. It's like, you know, it's like golf. Like I love golf. That's it's weird, but it's one of my favorite sports because it's like, it's just you against yourself. Right. right. And that's, what I love about stand-up it's like I mean as much as I will you know every now and then blame the audience but for the most part (laughs) that's a great way of looking at it though and it's a great analogy you make with golf because yeah every 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 game you try to outbeat your last scores or every set you try to outdo your last performance and it's mental it's all mental. mental I did the same swing you're like I just did this and how is it not working? And it's like, that's the thing with comedy too, right? Where you're like, I said all the words, the exact same as I did the night before. So why is it not working tonight? And then it's like, you got to, it's all in your head. It's all mental. Funny you mentioned that because side story with me, I was in LA one time and uh, at the comedy store, world famous comedy store, very popular club. And they have like two or three different rooms or you, you get to kind of, you know, pay your, pay your fee and, and you, you sit in a room and, and you, and you watch a show. Um, me being by myself, cause that's kind of me. I, I'm a, I'm a savant when it comes to this stuff. I just kind of love comedy. I go on my own. I'll, I'll sit in the club for like six hours, <laughs> right? Till they close. Um, uh, but I kind of bounced around. You kind of say you're going to the bathroom and you can just sneak into another room. I saw Whitney Cummings three times that night. Once oh. upstairs in the belly room, just, just me bouncing around. Like I popped in for a set wow, and I just, just back and you just watch her, her do her, do her thing. Right. And then I kind of, when she done and I kind of caught some of Bill Burr and then maybe somebody was looking at me and like, I didn't give anybody a ticket. So then I bounce and then I come down and I'm all the way back to the original room. I was in, I pop into another room and guess what? Whitney Cummings came from one room and she did a set at another room. And then when I finally got back to my room where the, the main room, they're like, Oh, and now we're going to bring up another uh, comedian. Uh, please welcome Whitney Cummings. And I saw her set again. So I saw her three times. Every set was the exact same. 
every crowd reaction was totally different because it's the nature and energy of the room that some things are going to hit from one end versus some things are going to hit on a total. Like, I mean, obviously the joke is the joke and where she planned for her punchlines to be the ones, but it was interesting the way you say it because every room could be completely different from how you kind of, you know, how you see it going versus how you envision it actually playing out. Like that move to Toronto to keep yourself busy. How many rooms did you do in a week or in a night? Did you kind of bounce around? I mean, Toronto is saturated with clubs, but I mean. At that time, like when I started comedy and, you know, just doing open mics and hustling, like there was a time when I was doing like 12 sets a week. You know what I mean? Like, like literally like zip, 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 zip all around the city, like doing like horrible, you know, open mic spots. But Oh my God, I can just remember that like eat, sleep, breathe comedy mentality that it's like, you need that. You know, I don't have, I don't feel the need to go out and do that now, but you know, I think in the first, at least couple of years, like you gotta be a little cuckoo. Like you gotta be nuts. Like when I see these new kids that start, I used to run an open mic and uh, I used to love seeing these like super like young and hungry people that come in and they're they're obsessed with stand up and it's just consuming their life. And I'm like, ah, you're going to be all right. You know, cause that's, if you don't have yeah. that, then I don't know how, you know, it's like, it has to be an obsession basically. Yeah. It's like an, uh, uh, yeah, an obsession or an illness that they have. Everybody's got that thing in their <laughs> yeah. brain where it's like, you're going to get this. You're going to, yeah, it's going to take yeah. a while, but you, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, it's like you're there, a little there is, yeah, they, they call it the grind. Essentially. You have to do your time. You have to, you have to put in your, your X how many hours uh, it is. Um, getting on the road. I mean, what was that like? Uh, and, and, and essentially taking your, your art form and whatever you've built up in sort of this mega city metropolis that is Toronto, but then doing small towns and like, I don't know how far have you gone out West and like all over, I mean, yeah, yeah but I yeah. mean like the first time, like Vancouver must've been scary. Saskatchewan was like, I don't know. Is anybody even going to show up to the show? Like, what are those scary in general. Like, like- <laughs> It, uh, yeah, actually, I've had uh, a couple opportunities to tour throughout um, Western Canada. So lots of, you know, I feel like I like learned a lot about Canada by doing stand up and traveling <laughs> around. And I remember the first time going on the road and just thinking like, oh, yeah, like in the city and all this stuff is killing. Oh, my God, like having so much confidence. And then, yeah, you do a bowling alley in Red Deer and you're like, oh, my God, these people are not connecting. <laughs> they, they don't get me. The second they see the bangs, they're like, oh, she's not like us. This girl's, you know, doesn't belong. So you have to kind of learn to navigate that. And then, you know, you develop, uh, you know, like uh, survival jokes. You develop like crowd work is how I survived a lot of times when I went out on the road. Like I found that, you know, I'm like, Oh, my jokes a little too niche or they're maybe going over some head a little too hip sometimes that I'm like, all right, we're just going to the crowd. What do you do? All right. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mentioned that because it seems to be an ongoing, and I hate this word, but trend in social media now, just like everybody's showing their crowd work clips. And I've mentioned this on the show before. And a lot of comics use it as, uh, they use it as, um, almost like burn material. Like yep. I don't want to put my stand up online, but I'll put my crowd work online because it's unique to that city or that town or, or that show that I was in. And it shows an involvement with, 
you know, me interacting with the crowd and everybody gets involved and it's ha ha ha. But then people get this skewed mentality of what comedy is. Like it's <laughs> like, oh, let's go to a comedy show and we can be part of the show. No, no, you're not part yeah. of the show. I'm the show. You're here to listen to the show. But if I happen to interact with you and it's funny, that might make it to social media because we don't want to give away the show. And they have a hard time getting that. And when I mean they, I mean the audience, obviously comics and 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 I don't know if you want to call me an aficionado alike or whatever. I'm not a comedian, but I tend to know, you know, what it takes to to make it in the art form. We the, people get that, but I mean, with you, um, for for a situation like that, and and then I don't know how active you you want to put that on social media. Do you think of it as burn material all the time? Crowd work. The crowd work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have got opinions on this topic. It's uh, <laughs> because you're right. There's a lot of it on social media. And I totally understand because why would you want to put your real jokes on social media? Like, I don't understand that personally. So I understand why, okay, crowd work people can get a sense of who I am and my stage presence, how I, how I perform. But you got to make sure that the laughs are, you know, not being given to you. Like, that's something I don't understand is like when you see crowd work videos and it's like, oh, the audience member was funny. And now, and then <laughs> there was all these laughs and then you kind of riffed on that. And it's kind of like, I don't know. Like now crowds think that they can, they come yeah, for this crowd is work. comedy like, now. I can just shoot yeah. out. I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's become like an interactive thing. And it's like, I don't know. You, It's, I don't know. Crowd work, it's like, We've been doing it forever, you know. It's like it hey, seems like it's a new live thing. Off crowd work. I'm like, this is how we survive. Like, it's funny because to me, crowd work is like kind of like the easier. It's I don't for comedians, crowd work isn't really that hard, right? Like, it's like because the laughs come easier when it's you know off the cuff or whatever, right? right. So it's like you know you have a lot more. The audience gives you a lot more grace with crowd work, anyways. So it's like it's like yeah, we've always been doing this. This is now you're just seeing more of it and yeah i don't i don't know social media is a weird uh yeah it's always weird. it's i don't know if it's hurt the art form or helped the art form obviously it helps it in a way for exposure wise and, and getting your name out there but it's hurt it for the same way that it's exposure wise and it's getting your name out there because yeah a lot of people who shouldn't be doing stand-up put it out there and then they're a comic and it's like mm, no you're in and I don't want to put like shoe boxes and labels in, in this industry, but you have to because yes, you're funny online, but it doesn't translate to the stage or yes, you're funny as a collective, as part of a group, as you said, but a one-on-one, -on -one, maybe not. And and mm -hmm. yeah, you could do skits and you work well with someone, but on your own, I mean, I, I don't know if you can, you know, tell a knock joke, mm -hmm. knock, knock, knock joke in, in a, without, you know, fumbling it up without me trying to fumble up that. Um, your, your comedy specifically though, uh, is what I want to kind of dive into because I mean, there's, there's the way you kind of a let the audience into kind of your life and your kind of personal stories and kind of everything, but there's been an evolution of, of that I've seen lately um, throughout, especially women in comedy. And as much as I hate the term female comedian, because comedians are comedians, but then again, you can't appreciate, somebody the same way the saying of like a best actor versus best actress and yes they're all actors and yes they've all done well but when it's a comedian it's a comedian and it's if it's funny it's funny and there's so many female comics that i think are hilarious but again i don't see them as female comics they're just they're one of the they're one of the comics i enjoy listening to but 
for you, I mean, and, and, and it's, I've noticed this a lot that females, I mean, in the eighties, it was always like, Oh my God, it's a female comic. Great time to get up and go get a drink at the bar. Nobody really wanted to hear that sort of thing. And so it was hard for a woman to kind of get her, her voice out there. And that has progressed a lot through artists that have kind of, you know, made headlines and waves in the industry. Whitney Cummings, like I mentioned before, Sarah Silverman, Chelsea Handler, as you mentioned before. And it has a lot to do with women playing on the same field, I guess, you know, as the boys. Being as open, being as raunchy, being as, you know, personal with stories. And with you, did that come easy to kind of discuss your life on stage and, and just, you know, you know, dating culture and, and my work and how I'm seen? Or is it just something that... For some people, it's like therapy. It's just like, this is how I'm going to say it. And because I view life in a comedic mindset, I'm going to express it that way. How was it for you to kind of open up more and finding your voice on stage? I think it was, I think it's too easy for me to just open up to everyone. I'm like the queen of TMI. That's my problem. So I was like, <laughs> how do I take, <laughs> how do I take this problem and capitalize on it? Right. So now right. I'm just talking shit for money, but um no, I, I would say over the years, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it, but I just, I don't know. That's always just come very natural to me to want to just talk about my observations through my life, not necessarily like, oh, do you ever notice how this is like this? It's more yeah. like, well, this happened to me today. Do you ever notice how it's more like connected to who I am? And then, yeah, I just, I just get pretty gross sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> just really open like it is it is very cathartic i have to say because it's like you know i didn't grow up in like a family where you know we were really open about sex or anything like that like it was i wouldn't say my parents were like repressive at all but we just right. didn't talk about it it was like kind of like my mom was like you know sex is bad don't do it and so we never <laughs> talked about it so now for me to be able to get up there and really just say and be as open and as i want is like it's really fun it's really freeing <laughs> Have your parents seen your act or have they actually been to a show? Oh yeah. My uh dad, uh my mom my mom passed away about ten years ago, but uh it's probably for the best. <laughs> I don't know, she would uh I think my dad said that to me one time. It's like, what do you think mom would have thought? And he's like, you know, she'd probably be pretty embarrassed, honestly. <laughs> wow, dad, that's not what you want to hear. But no, my family's so supportive. My dad, like I would say I was dirtier early on, like when uh, I feel like everyone's a little dirtier when they first start. And I can remember a couple of shows, like my dad bringing all his golf buddies. It's like, really? So we're talking about queefing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but he loves it. He He's able to, de I don't know what the word is, decompartmentalize or put, like I'm not his daughter there for a second. Yeah. yeah so he's, uh, and it's funny because it, it's kind of brought like my family closer. Like I feel like now as a family, we're more open. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's one positive way to kind of look at it. Um, do you, is there like no topic you won't go to on stage? Like, is there like anything that's off limits or like, or are you pretty open when it comes to be open? I mean, in terms of myself and, you know, my feelings and opinions, like I'll, yeah, nothing's really off limits. I'm just not personally a political comedian. Like, like I'm not going okay, up there. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying anything about Israel Palestine. I'm telling you that. Yeah, that's going to be my next question. Damn it! <laughs> like, you're not getting anything out of me. I am pleading the fifth on that, and we're yeah. not 
you know, so there's certain things like in that regard, I just, I don't enjoy political comedy. So I don't want to do that. And I don't want to offend people. Like, it's not like, yeah, that's not your wheelhouse. No, no. But as far as you and, 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 and your role, and I guess the word would be dating culture. What are your views mm-hmm. on that in, in 2023? I'm not a part of that culture anymore. I've decided <laughs> I have removed myself. Um, nice. Dating. Wait, so you're asking me about dating? Is that well, just, yeah, just your views. I mean, you talk a lot about on stage. I don't want you to do a bit or anything. But if yeah. you can, go ahead. But, but <laughs> oh I mean, God, just the your album. Views I got, it, yeah. yeah, I, uh, yeah, personally, I have, I am single and I, uh, it's a nightmare out there. It's all the good ones are taken. Yeah. And I'm just, my philosophy right now is that I am, will chase no man because I pretty much did that all throughout my twenties and that does not work for women. I've realized I've learned the hard way, never chase a man. So at this point I'm off the apps, I'm off everything. I'm just sitting, I'm just waiting because, uh, the men out there are just, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty grim. <laughs> I've I have this theory, and I'm I'm gonna try to ease my way into it without getting in trouble myself. And you're talking to a lifelong bachelor here, so do you find that as soon as you're in the discussion stages, if you will, with the opposite sex, and they find out, oh, what do you do? I'm a comedian. That there is immediate intimidation from them because for the longest, you know, lifelong age of time. From those moments, if you were the average guy, the one thing you can kind of pin a feather in your hat with is that, hey, at least I'm funny. At least I can be funny. I, you know, I humor is a way to a woman's heart as long as I can make them laugh. But now, if an attractive woman is also a comic, and there are a lot, I mean, yes, all women are beautiful, but there's, you know, you overtly like, wow, as soon as they get on stage, like, <laughs> and they're funny, and it's just like, you're like a goddamn superhero. It's like you're trying to one up me, bitch. No, 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 no. <laughs> I I own this room. I can I can think this by the reins. I can do it all. But it just that's how I see it. It's just like, wow, it's you got a lot of work ahead of you if you, you know, you have a very attractive girl and you know, oh by the way, she's also a comic. So yeah, congratulations. Try to go one on one mano imano with this one because she's gonna bury you. Yeah. I don't know. Do you find that intimidating with other men? Do you? I you know, my experience is that men are like really excited about it but they're excited really? about it because it's like i feel like it's because subconsciously they just want to get intel because they <laughs> think they're funny right like that's what it it all comes down to is that it's like oh that's so cool but i know in their head they're like they think that they're still the funny one you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know like i just don't think men accept like even if i do stand up i think in their head they're still like oh i'm the funny one though but um, but one thing I know is that men do get a little bit intimidated of is just like how busy I am because it's, you know, stand up is like, you know, it's nights and weekends mm-hmm. and, you know, and a lot of us have to have a day job and there's, you know, I host trivia a couple nights a week. I'm an actor. I'm like busy all the time. And I have had a couple of men be like, wow, this, you are, you do a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. I can't hang out. Like, <laughs> and I find that's when they start to get a little bit like, Oh God. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, it, it's an ongoing struggle. I find with the battle of the sexes and especially being within the same industry. Um, I mean, there's a lot of comics that are dating each other and, and that's always mm-hmm. an ongoing issue. Oh, I tried like, that. You've tried, I've tried that, that as well. <laughs> and how was that? Scenario? Oh, you know, I, uh, he's a comic is a good guy, but we, uh, moved to LA together and uh 
yeah, it was uh, comedy. Eventually, it does kind. Of, it can go get in between people. It can, especially when uh, you know there's a lot of years in stand up where it's just heartbreak, right? Like you know, it's not like you have years where you're good and you have years where you're bad. And you know, if you have two comics that are kind of not in their bad years, it's like can feel pretty hopeless, and uh, it's easy to fall into that kind of like depression of you know are we doing enough like uh. well a, a question i always love to ask comics who date other comics or have been in a relationship with comics did the fights cause bits or did the bits cause fights <laughs> oh i would say both was true because yeah really? to be, i feel bad for him though because because i do joke a lot about my boyfriends and and everyone knew him so he would be at the back of the room and it was like everyone would be like learning all these intimate details about him. And so then it kind of was like, oh, OK, I actually don't like this anymore. And I'm like, well, this is my act, so I'm not changing it. Like, I don't, like this is like, you know, now, did the crowd so, know that he also was a comedian? Sometimes. Yeah. And then that was another thing that would so someone on the show would come up after and be like, oh, well, you're going to see your boyfriend next. And it's like, oh, my oh, God. So everyone's putting two and two together. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that, that that makes it awkward. And, you know, but I, I don't discourage it. Other comics right. dating other comics. I don't because it can work out. I've seen it. But uh, you got to learn that for yourself. Everyone. Like everyone does. Every comic does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for you, essentially, like, uh, and you were discussing and moving out to LA and I know you've done a lot of um, festivals, you know, South of the border as well. Was there ever that push to do it kind of like permanently? Like I'm making the move to LA or I'm going to New York or this is going to be like the main thing or is that still on the horizon? Well, that was the move. Like, you know, I moved in 2018 and then I was there for like three years, almost just under three years and uh, really did have like a life there and, you know, was planning on staying there and then the pandemic hit. So, but, and then I came back, but you know what? I might want to stay in Canada. I kind of feel like I want to be a Canadian entertainer for Canadians. Is that crazy? That's wild. See, I don't think Does it is. But so many, to do that? I, I don't think it is, but so many people I know that that's where it's volume. It's quality over quantity. It's, there's more to consume South of the border. We have a, cap and it's a tight cap on where we can go in this industry here um not a lot of stuff gets greenlit from canadian artists mm -hmm. so when it does it's a bloody miracle um and 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 this is someone who's worked on the media side and kind of understands it from that level it's cheaper to buy 22 episodes of the big bang theory than it is to invest 10 grand in any canadian project because yeah. You know, I mean, you'll have once uh, in a while a show like Kim's Convenience pop out of the woodwork and be like, oh, my God, it's amazing. And then, you know, but then, you know, for every that one of those are a million failed pilots that are like, but just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. And it, it, it bothered me. But I appreciate when you make a statement like that, that, no, there's nothing wrong about staying in Canada and, and, and trying to excel in this industry here. Funny story. I went to Montreal for, for Just for Laughs. And I noticed on the um, in the checkout line at a supermarket, I was with a friend of mine. She was getting like a cough medication. I'm like, do you notice anything about the uh, magazines up front? And she's like, no, I didn't even, I didn't even know those magazines. What are they? I'm like, exactly. They're all French magazines, and they're all French celebrities on those French magazines. 
meaning Quebec has its own star system because mm -hmm. Quebec is very pro-French and pro their own language. And when they have excelled in an industry like the arts with the French language that is only resident in that province, then yeah, they've established a star system where they have their own shows and they have their own celebrities and musical artists and everything. And people can't leave their house because yeah, oh my God, and so-and-so. And they have their own publications because in that little, as much as we fucking knock Quebec, but I mean, to them, that's their culture. Where the rest of Canada, because we all live so close to the goddamn border, mind you, that's a geography issue. <laughs> um, I, I, I tend to think, and this is just me thinking, and you can kind of weigh in on this, but we're over-Americanized in our entertainment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, did you look at the JFL lineup? <laughs> yeah, that's another issue with JFL, but I mean, hey. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and to showcase a lot of talent. I don't want to get blacklisted, so I'm not going to say anything, but. Uh, no, I mean, hey, yeah. look at this podcast. I mean, I, I, I try to get American talent on, but my mandate is focusing more on, on Canadian talent because mm -hmm. Canadian citizens and getting them the people across this country should know who our talent is. But Absolutely. because they don't and they don't invest in it, our talent tends to leave and go make a name for themselves south of the border, yeah. and then they become a star, and then they're like, oh, but they're Canadian. Yeah, they were Canadian before they left, but you never showed them love then, but now you're showing them love? Mm -hmm. So well, it, it's an ongoing it's, issue. It's hard because, like, you know, the, the few opportunities that we do have in this country for stand-up are all regulated by, like, the government, right? So, like, basically, it's like, does the government like your comedy? And so then you're kind of getting... The, the comedians that you're, we are seeing, we're seeing like a very sort of diluted version of like their act, right? You're not, you're not seeing any like dark comedy, any like raunchy stuff. Like Canadians don't have like access to see Canadian comedians that are doing anything sort of like edgy. Unless they That'll go never out to make the it to yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, I do wish that there was at least, you know, a couple opportunities for, you know, some like uncensored comedy you know would be cool but even then like you said it's run by the government it's got we have this canada's got a it's got this corporate sort of uh filter on it where it's just like we're not uh we don't, we don't do things like that no no we do that's what makes and breaks us and it's part of everyday life and everyone can relate to it but because it's on a media platform no media outlet's gonna be like no because it's got all that i have some sort of a corporate filter funny you mentioned that yeah um with i mean and and Jumping off of that, do you think with uh, platforms like social media and stuff, the more raunchier, the better? Well, because it's like authentic. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're being raunchy because you're like, ooh, people like raunch, I'm going to be raunchy. Like, I'm not going up there being like, I need to write dirty jokes. Like, that's just what comes out. Like, that's just what's up here. I'm a pervert, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just what comes naturally to me so that's what you have to do so if if what comes naturally to you is like mr clean christian comedy well then that's what you got to do right and if it's raunchy because i think there is this idea where it's like dirty comedy is easy but i do i don't necessarily agree with that right i think you know it can be easy but to do it well i feel like not everyone can do it you know like i've talked to so many you know clean comics who are like i wish i could tell dirty jokes like it just doesn't come naturally to you know to say so you just you got to do whatever is true to you because that's what's yeah. gonna be the funniest and if it happens to be raunchy 
well, you still deserve to have a career too. <laughs> right? That's what 100%, I think. But then there's always those people like, well, you're never going to make it on CBC. If you have a dirty set, then you're always got to have a clean. I don't know. I think if the CBC starts liking my comedy, maybe I got to reevaluate some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, I, that, I, I just noticed it a lot on, 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 I guess, yeah, social media, people kind of doing things for clicks or people mm. leaning off with like the most dirtiest scenario possible before they get into the, the story of what happens. It's like, I mean, and I'm sure you've seen it too, where you see clips, it's like, and then I shoved her head in the toilet and she got, and what? And all of a sudden, then, then, it, then, the, then the clip starts. I'm like, how did we get there? It's like the yeah. hook, line, and sinker. Everybody's got to have that little raunchy bit off the top to kind of bring you into the kind of... But what's funny and is, like, like, as somebody that does dirty or comedy, you never start with the dirty stuff. That's, like, the rule one, because then where do you go, you know? Like, I always end with the dirtiest thing. It's a it's a crescendo, you know? It's like a raunch scale. Because, a raunchy crescendo. I like that. Yeah, yeah, because you can't <laughs> start. And then, because it's the truth is, audiences do, like, like it. They do like to escape. That's why people, you know, they're drinking. They want to laugh at things that they can't say out loud themselves. Um, do you have a comedy tribe, like a comedy clique, a crew, some other comedians that you always kind of a either work well with or kind of hang out with at the back of the club and kind of riffraff material with? Is there is there sort of like a little friendship core that you have or or have built in this industry? I mean, I would say I I've never been somebody that has a strong crew. Um, I've always been a little bit of a floater, a little bit of a lone wolf, but I get along with everyone. And I don't, my favorite thing is just like showing up to the show. You're like, who's on the show. And generally I'm shooting the shit with everyone. It's just, this is my favorite part, you know, the camaraderie, but I don't necessarily have like a, a little crew. Like I have, you know, my really good friends, but for the most part, I, uh, that was actually something I struggled with a little bit early on is not having that and feeling like I was a bit of a loner. So, but I've, I've made peace with it. So. Is it good to be a loner in comedy? Well, I, I mean, a loner in terms of like, you know, I, I felt like when I started, there was like, you know, the comedy bar, the alt comedy scene. And then there was like the corner and it was like the edgy comedy scene. Right. And then you have like the road gigs and then you have like the yuck stuff. And usually people pick a lane and I felt like I was just dipping my toes all over the place, right? I was doing oh, like okay. the, the safe show, the safe space shows. And then I would go to the corner and do, you know, the edgy shows or stuff like that. So I felt like I, it was hard for me to find a, a, a strict sort of group with that because I was a little bit all over the place. Um, right. But yeah, I would say I have a good, a solid like group of gals that, you know, yeah, but that's the fun thing is like i can just walk into comedy bar like this was a couple weekends ago i was like oh, i'm just gonna go to comedy bar i just like walked in and it's like hey. <laughs> you just started doing shots with whoever's there like <laughs> well that's the thing about comedy that you're all comics you're all doing the same sort of you're all fighting the same fight you're all part of the same struggle so yeah you're all i guess yeah you're you're you're, you're comrades in the sense that yeah we all know each other and it doesn't really matter who's there because mm-hmm. you're all under the under uh, umbrella of comedian but mm-hmm. um for you do you have a, a sort of a a home club a, a a favorite space uh your your favorite stage to perform on yeah absolutely i would say the corner is like my my home club that that's yeah. definitely you know you got to go where the opportunities are and uh, i love it there and you know he loves to book me there and 
I just think it's such a great club. It it has a very New York kind of basement comedy cellar vibe. And I like that. Yeah. I love that. I love the old, the old school comedy. Like, I just think it's so great. So that is definitely um, one of my favorite spots. And they do live shows most nights of the week, I think, except Mondays. Yeah. Um, and then obviously comedy bar is great. But it's just a little bit different because it's not like a roster. It's kind of like more independent shows. So to me, that's like the clubhouse and I love going there. But uh, <laughs> The clubhouse, I yeah. like that. That, yeah, you you kind of hit the nail on the head with very New York vibe. Uh, mm -hmm. And and people, uh, and if you do scroll and stop at stand-up clips, and when you see the, the comedy cellar, the very iconic, you know, brick background with the stained glass window in the back, that room holds maybe 120, maybe 120 mm -hmm. people were... Uh, comedy, the the cellar, the comedy cellar. Uh, sorry, um, the corner. Co uh, comedy in the corner, corner comedy club. Uh, only holds what thirty five people. It's a very. Uh, small I think yeah, like the original club was so small. I think it was maximum thirty, and then now the new location. I think it's maybe about 40, 40 people now. But yeah, it's yeah. a great little like you're, you're oh, right it's there, awesome. you're right in front of everybody. Like there's there's not yeah. even a stage. It's like a step up, and it's just like. It's so intimate, and that's to mm -hmm. me. Uh, I mean, that's my definition of comedy is when you're in a yeah. small little intimate space, and you can kind of, kind of everyone you're you're having the conversation, but it's you, you're sharing an energy that it's only with you and that group of people. Yeah, that's really it's cool. intimate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I like I like what Joe's done is because he's basically like established a brand. What I and he has like this awesome aesthetic as well that that is. Uh, you know, very streamlined and it's, you know, you mentioned the comedy cellar. Like when you see somebody performing at the comedy cellar, you know, right away because of the stained glass, it's kind of like the corner, right? He's got the logo right. and um, that kind of stuff is, you know, it just goes the extra mile, right? Looks good with photos and yeah. So now you have your debut comedy album appropriately titled Rochelle Rochelle. Shout mm -hmm. out to all the Seinfeld fans out there. Yeah. Uh, this was uh this was recorded where? Free times, I think? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of small, intimate spaces, that's, uh, and I love that place too, because it also has that kind of old timey vibe, that old club. Right. So um, yeah, that I uh, recorded that in March and I think that sound about 50 people. I think it seats about 50 people. Yeah. But it's, but it's a it cool little very... vibe there as well. Yeah. Was it, yeah. It was in the basement again? Or was that where no, you recorded? No, it's not a basement. It's, uh, it's just kind of like a back room it's like a little black box like oh i'm thinking the other one there's another one too they do um crown and tiger oh that place? <laughs> i didn't record my album at the crown and tiger <laughs> yeah the basements look where they film fight club and it's just like yeah, what the hell is going right. on here like and that's right that's where i thought it was three yeah. times yes it's in the background it's up the street from where i'm recording the podcast i'm at revival oh okay oh cool okay um for you uh, uh how i kind of want to I don't want to say end off, but it's sort of been a ongoing uh, tradition with the podcast. I want to kind of give you some questions, rapid fire, uh, sort of a, a rundown, a rundown, rapid fire uh, questions. And they, I always say rapid fire, but nobody fucking answers these rapid fire because it's always like, what? And then it spawns a sign topic. But some questions I kind of want to go with you and we'll, we'll see what, what, what sparks from them. But first and most importantly, your comedy influence growing up yeah. Seinfeld Seinfeld uh, your favorite stand-up to date right now Nikki Glaser nice Nikki uh, favorite comedic movie ever School of Rock 
like the Jack and Black. Your best set to date, which I'm thinking is <laughs> which one that kind of sticks out. You're like, I fucking crushed it. <laughs> oh, the one you so still mad? get jitters from. Um, anytime I've ever done well in front of a man who's wronged me is always the best. And I feel like if a man who has wronged me is in the crowd, I'm going to kill. And those are always the best. <laughs> I fucking love them. That's good. Because Spike fuels me. me. <laughs> yeah. It gives you. <laughs> oh, maybe he's not oh, good. I'd love to check out a set of that. Oh, wow. I'm just like, oh, here, X to the ground. Here we go. Oh, Spike said, yeah, I could do that. Oh. Uh, favorite joke of yours? I am. I have a new one. That's my new closer. Oh, and I really like closer. it. But I can't tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> But it's dirty. <laughs> but it's dirty. That's what I love about it. All right. It's dirty and it's based on true events. So see, your your whole set should come up with like uh, the following participants of this comedy <laughs> based on true events. The names have not been this. So um, on the road, your favorite traveling buddy. Who would you love to tour with or go road to road with or oh, having that car beside you? Can I bring my cat on tour next time? <laughs> your cat? What's your cat's name? Fancy. Fancy the cat. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, he's right here. He's freaking out. I wish I could bring cat him. Food named I... Fancy? Isn't there cat food named Fancy or Fancy the light or something? Oh, there is Fancy Feast. He's more of a whisper. Oh, Fancy Feast. That's it. Oh, he's right here. He knows we're talking about him. Oh, hello, Fancy. fancy. Hey, Fancy. Fancy. <laughs> um. Best place to eat on the road. Has there ever been like a greasy spoon that stuck out or anything that you've remembered that like, damn, that was good. What was it? Oh, Edmonton has. So they have a vegan pub. I'm vegetarian. They have a it was the first that I've seen of this. This was years ago. Now it's popular, but it was like unhealthy vegan food. And every time I go to Edmonton, they have these chicken wings that are not made with chicken. They are made with tofu bean curd and they're deep fried with uh wonton wrappers like skin they won best chicken wings in edmonton even though they were not even meat they won best chicken wings it they're oh, so good qualify. i know people were pissed i think but it's like the chicken wing without the, all the tendons and they actually put a stick in it so it's like you can eat it like a bone so what the, in edmonton alberta edmonton. Yeah. The beef capital of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And you could get like all this like super like greasy pub food that was vegan. And what was the establishment? Yeah, Do you want to give them a shout out? It was a while ago. It was probably about five years ago that I was there. But uh it's on White Ave. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh if you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? It would be to fly. Flying? Yeah, okay. because I have what, a lot of dreams where I'm flying, and it's really fun. <laughs> that's done on travel time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's that? What your kryptonite. My kryptonite would be ketchup, because I hate ketchup. You hate ketchup? Is yeah, I can't even like touch. Like, I if it gets on my hand, I'm like, oh. I have the same thing about mayonnaise. <laughs> I used to be like that. I actually got over my mayonnaise. Man, it's 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 too good. Best stand up coming up in this country that people need to watch out for. 
aside from Ooh, Ooh. coming up? Yeah. Um, you have an eye on like that kid's going places. <laughs> uh, 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 well, in Toronto, I guess I can give some shout outs to some guys I would see come to my open mic. There's a there's a kid, uh, Freddie Jan. He's mm-hmm. around town and he's young and he's somebody that just has it. You know, you're like, oh, you got it. And uh, so he's one. Um, oh my God, there's so many. I feel it's like when someone asks you what your favorite music is and you can't think of anything. Oh, that was but, my next uh, favorite music. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't ask me that. <laughs> uh, Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? Uh, Reynolds. Reynolds? Is it a personality thing? I find him a lot more humorous. He is funny and he's hot. He's really hot. Well, I mean, they're both attractive, but I mean, have you heard Ryan Gosling speak? It's like plywood. Is it? I get. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm like, if I have to choose, saying, you know, actual lines. I mean, Gosling. Right. I mean, what? I mean, he was he was cast as Ken for what? Yeah, he's a bit of a dud. Yeah, where where Reynolds is, you know, he's but got a lot going on for him. That guy. Um, he's from London, Ontario. There you go. The best advice that you ever got in this industry. Just do as much comedy as you can. You have to get on stage all the time. That's, that's it. You can't, you got to do it. <laughs> you just got to do it. I, I you totally should agree. do the grind, the grind is the grind and it's always got to be on the mind. Keep, yeah. Keep, keep hustling. Yeah. On. Uh, the album is Rochelle, Rochelle. It is out this week. I, I'm really excited about the album because it it's something I've done entirely on my own, right? Like I, about a year ago, I went, you know what? I'm getting sick and tired of watching things pass me by and I got to do something about it. And I have to, you know, suck it up, put in the work and do it. And it's been a year and I've funded it all on my own and it's been very stressful but I'm really proud of it. And I'm just excited to have some something to show people. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> I am a real comedian, I swear, here. So I love it. I'm, I'm really excited. And I hope people listen to it and like it. So I, I, I love it. I, I, it's amazing, and especially when it's the debut album. And it's like the portfolio has started. You have chronalized your art form. It will live on forever. Uh, that's awesome to hear. Congrats uh, on everything that you've done so far. Uh, Rochelle, thank you so much for your time today. We look forward for the album coming out or it's already out. Download mm-hmm. it and stream it where all, uh, I guess, all platforms are. Yep. yep. Perfect. Rochelle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Awesome. Thank you again for listening. That was episode 105. My thanks again to Rochelle Lausanne, uh, her new comedy album, her debut her debut comedy album, appropriately titled Rochelle Rochelle, is out right now on all streaming platforms. Check it out. And thank you again for tuning in. Please don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, send me money, five-star review, all the glitz and glam that go on with starting this new podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Like I said, new episodes to, to come in the upcoming weeks. Uh, always cooking up some good stuff with comics and supporting Canadian comics uh, uh, on this platform and any other platform that I see fit and necessary. Um, But yeah, support Canadian comedy and and thank you for tuning in. I'm Vince Tedesco and this is the You Should Do Comedy Podcast. (laughs) 
This is a journey.